Welcome to The Art of You, an artistic approach to crafting a meaningful life. Hosted by Joel Judowitz and Ethan Davidson. We were talking about the idea of believing in something and whether a person can convince himself to believe something. And we started off uh, talking about fundraising, where this comes yeah. up a lot, yeah. where you'll occasionally have somebody... Uh, you know, a fundraiser who must, in order for him to be successful at his job, has to be able to see the positive and believe the positive about another yeah. person who, in a normal situation, he may, he may not always right. see the positive and others around him in the community may not see the positive. But in order for him to be successful, he has to, and you pointed out, which is a great example also, lawyers yeah. who are obligated, you know, not obligated, but they, they're defending the client. Mm-hmm. And the question you were saying that you asked a prominent lawyer, are you faking it or do you actually believe it at the time? And he was saying that he has to believe it in order for him to be successful at the case. Right. So, so what does that mean? Does that mean that he's fooling himself he's, that you, you're, or you're actually capable of believing it? Well, it's, you yeah. know, fortunately, I mean, I, I should hope, and I won't mention my friend's name, but I should okay. hope that he doesn't get anything so crazy and so far-fetched that it's, right. In, I hear that. That it's right. But yeah, he says, I have to go into it with my full spirit, my full, mm-hmm. you know, intellectual capacity, because otherwise I can't be effective for the for the guy who's uh, hiring me to do this. So I have to be really... So it's got to be real. Got to be so, real. So how does that process happen? Like, mm-hmm. how do you take a person... Mm-hmm. And, and what I was saying is Rabbi Nachman of Breslau talks about the idea of finding the, the point of yeah. goodness inside of somebody right. and inside of ourselves. Yeah. So normally we look at someone and we're very confident of our uh, estimate of this person sure. because we look at him as a whole and we say, well, this guy is not a good guy. He's a bad guy. He does bad things. Yeah. But the truth is that life is much more complicated. Yeah. You know, and there's almost nobody that if you really got into the depths of it, mm-hmm. things are not as simple. Mm-hmm. And, or very rarely, very rare, like you said, maybe you'll have a rare case yeah. where literally it's almost impossible to see the good in this guy. Sure. And you just can't defend such a thing. Right. But in normal life, things are more complex. There are reasons that go on. There's layers of you know subtlety that go on behind all our actions. Mm-hmm. And being able to see someone for the good and actually see him that way uh, is a matter of focus. I think the best example of the class, not the best, but the most obvious example is a mother and a child mm-hmm. because you'll get up in the court yeah. and everyone is screaming at this low life murder and there's one lady who says no it's not true you didn't get he's a nice boy I yeah. know him he's a great and that's his mother yeah right so yeah. a mother will always see or should or often you know usually will see the good in her child and if you're a teacher you've experienced this many times yeah <laughs> you try to call home yeah. and it's like how could she not get what just happened and there's really not many sure. ways of explaining it yeah. and she's like are you sure maybe he meant this did he really right and yeah. so that's the ability of of someone so who's fooling ourselves i don't think anyone is fooling i don't think the mother is fooling i don't think we're fooling yeah. it's a question of I guess what the context of making that judgment is. Mm-hmm. If we're making it relative to ourselves, that I want to do business dealings with this person, and I say, no, he's a great guy, and he's really not, yeah. so I'm just fooling myself. Sure. Because yeah. in that context, it's true. In the greater context, in the more superficial context. But in his depths, in his neshama, if every person really has a certain part of Nachman says that's untouchable, and yeah. that part, yeah. um, the people who are able to see that part apparently are mothers, mm-hmm. Great rabbis yeah. and lawyers. Yeah, yeah. Those are the three, in that order, apparently those are the three that uh, that have that skill set down. But what Rabbi Nachman is so, uh, just to make sure I have it, uh, you know, so I don't make a mistake. What Rabbi Nachman and is, fundraisers I and that. fundraisers, right, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But what, but what? So what he's saying is that there is like a, a, a piece of our neshama. Let's say it's the core of it, the kernel, or whatever you want to say that is pure no matter what. Right. I could put myself, God forbid, in the worst, uh, you know, place imaginable, be, you know, expose myself to all kinds of uh, contaminations, and I could really do a lot of damage. Sure. But I can't completely, yeah. I can't completely destroy. There's always, according to Rav Nachman, right. there's always some part a piece. in that there's piece that that, right, I, it's untouchable. that even I can't. Yeah, can't sell it. You right. can't sell it. That piece is pure. And that's really part of the morning prayer. We say that this neshama that you gave me is pure. Right. 
and it's pure in the sense that it cannot be touched because sure. that's the part and I, I don't see it more as a part like yeah. you know there's like the little tiny core or kernel because mm -hmm. I want to you know segue back into what Rabbi Bloch has been talking right, about right and and Rabbi Bloch talks about the idea that the physical world is connected to a spiritual world yeah and the way I actually thought of a term I wrote it down on the side here but there's an idea of a space-time continuum sure so I'm thinking this like a space-time spiritual continuum. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a continuum of of um, of reality from the physical to the spiritual. Yeah. So the way Rabbi Bloch understands it, I think, it's that you can't sully the inner dimensions of reality. Mm -hmm. That sounds very jargony. No, but I, I, my writer alarm yeah. went off <laughs> there. But but I think there's something. Everything we do, even ourselves and our relationship with the world around us, you know, we experience it in a physical manifestation. There's mm -hmm. levels of of experience. We, you know, experience the table. We experience the action we just did. But in the inner spiritual realms, those realms they're affected by our physical realms, 100. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. But as you get higher, there's a certain place um, where reality, reality in its most spiritual, most real essence cannot be mm -hmm. affected. Because reality, when you keep going deeper and deeper, is really God. Yeah, That's the ultimate, ultimate reality. When you get further and further along the chain, mm -hmm. at some point you end up with the only thing that has real essence, which is godliness, which right. is God. Right. So that can't be sullied. And mm -hmm. our connection to that, to that, you know, the way we connect with that can't be sullied. So really, mm -hmm. uh, the way Rabbi Bach is understanding it, we can't sully. We can't sully that essence. We can ruin a lot of things. We yeah. can ruin physical worlds. And sure. We can ruin spiritual worlds. Sure. We can do tremendous damage, yeah. like you said. Mm -hmm. uh, but we can't sully that. And we always have the ability to rebuild mm -hmm. back from there. Right. And what the Talmud seems to say is that we can do that instantly. Yeah. That's the. That's the. Mm -hmm. You know. That's the amazing part of the system. The concept of tshuva, that you have someone. I'm not. Uh, the Talmud gives an example of this. This man who was like extremely decadent and, and very, you know, into physical pleasures and he traveled everywhere in the world to try mm -hmm. to find mm -hmm. more and more physical pleasures. Yeah. And at one point, <clears throat> he was there and he saw a tzitzis, and you probably know the story, yeah. right? Yeah, story. yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. Um, he said, that's it, he has to do tshuva. Yeah. And that's all. And he was able to, and he was able to just, in one instant, reconnect with his inner essence. Right. And somehow that, that rectified Right. Everything. Right. That's an interesting process. We definitely have to talk more about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Okay. Or like when you say, um, you know, they say when you say the Kaddish, for instance, and it, okay. you get to and you respond the Yehei Shmei, right? And you say it with the right intention. Okay. You're supposed right. to be able to tear up the tear evil decree of a seventy-year decree. Right. Sure. Right. Yeah. And it's amazing that you can that this is right there. Now it's not. I don't think you look at that and say, "Well, I can then go out and." Do all kinds of crazy stuff because sure. I can come back yeah, uh, yeah. tomorrow and well, that's, say yeah, you, no, you know, can't do that. That's one of the that. only catch, right? right? You can't do that. You can't do that. No, right. If you just say that doesn't work, doesn't work that way. And why doesn't that work? That's also the question. Is yeah. it just not fear? It's built into the system because otherwise everyone would take advantage of it. Well, then you're taking advantage of it, right? <laughs> but there's got, there's got to be something essential about yeah. why that. It's got to be. You know, I, I find that interesting. Maybe that's a flag for us to get into the inner workings of it. Right. Why it fails yeah. if you say, yeah. I'll send and I'll return. Because Is it because then you're not really going to return? Because they're not really Did returning. you really return if you knew you were going to do it from the beginning? But it's, you say, no, it's not true. I'm going to send and then I'm going to think it through. And I know I'm really going to regret this. Right, right. So what's wrong? Yeah, well, yeah, no, no, that, I think that's right. And I think, but I think when you, you know, my, the way that I think about it is, when you get into the practice of doing this, for instance, whether it's, you know, uh, responding during Kaddish and you're doing it every day, a couple times a day, or, you know, you brought up the example of tzitzis, you know, these different things and you, and you get into the practice of it, maybe you're not perfect at first, maybe you're still kind of, but it's sort of like any exercise that you do, you know, I think if you're dedicated to it and you're doing it every day, you get stronger, you get stronger and you know, tomorrow then I'm going to do a little less sinning, let's say. Okay. Tomorrow I'm going to do a little less sullying. And the next day, even less. And after that, even less. Right. Because because every day through these practices, I'm getting a little bit more, let's say, in spiritual conditioning. Right? Sure. Okay. And so then I think really the, um, the, no, maybe that Hashem rips up an evil decree. You know, who knows how that works. 
but I know that it's like with anything, if I'm exercising something, I'm going to get stronger. Mm -hmm. And if I'm dedicated to it, I'm going to get better. So, you know, in some ways I do the, the teshuva or the, really the tikkun, you know, myself because I'm dedicated to it every day. It's the dedication to it's it dedication itself, to it. which, is, which right. is the power of the process. That's right. I, that's uh -huh. my opinion, my humble opinion. But uh, Interesting. No, I hear that. Yeah. It's the dedication... It's not just the measure of the process; it's also the power of the process. Right. That's what's fueling it. If I lift weight, yeah, if okay. I lift weights once, I'm not going to get stronger. If I lift right. weights every day, I'm right. going to get stronger. Right. <laughs> right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So the real strength is the dedication to lifting the weights. It's not even the action is just a almost an inevitable byproduct, but but the strength is measured in your dedication. I think so. Very nice. I like that. Okay. Okay. So let's get a little bit further here sure. in um, Rabbi Bloch's wonderful teachings of Shiri Das, Rabbi of uh, Tel's Yeshiva, going back over 100 years, uh, when he first gave these speeches, these classes that were recorded by his students mm -hmm. uh, in Lithuania. And he's talking about the idea of the spiritual continuum of everything that we see down here has a it has a source in the upper spheres. Upper spheres doesn't mean on top of the clouds. It means in the deeper dimensions of reality, in the real, more essence, spiritual dimensions of reality. And they slowly are manifested here. And he's been going really strong about how this explains the phenomenon we find repeatedly in the Talmud where there's an exchange of physical pleasure and reward for spiritual reward. Mm -hmm. right, right. We find rabbis who are saying to their students, um, you want the spiritual rewards here? Here, here's some gold coins. Mm -hmm. uh, or here's a leg of a table, mm -hmm. or many different examples. And, the, and that's that's been his case study mm -hmm. to really prove the concept that it must be that they're one and the same, because there is no exchange rate. How can you exchange something of ultimate spiritual you know, infinite spiritual value with a, with a gold coin, mm -hmm. if not for the fact that the gold coin itself is the very same thing, right. just manifested right. in a different way. Mm -hmm. So he continues here. The Leirak Sharsham, it's not just the source. Even the essence, the actual way we experience everything in this world, it also uh, exists in the higher spheres and the highest of the highest spheres. It's one concept, it's one essence. Except that thing itself, it accepts form and, and it manifests itself differently depending on the world where. Uh, the dimension of reality where you find it, mm -hmm. but it's really one and the same mm -hmm. in itself. Not just its source; it itself is the same. Mm -hmm. That's a wonderful idea because that means that we now have access to experiencing all types of spiritual and deeper dimensions. Mm -hmm. Because we can use our physical senses and the way we f understand the physical world now to tap into deeper things. Sure. The echelon of the Kabbal Musug. An example of this type of idea, the Fitzurasim Sham, um, and we get this idea of the relationship between things which are high and their and their forms over there to the way they manifest itself here. The issue is, the challenge is because they're so different in the way they manifest themselves that it's just hard to see the connection. It's hard, but we can see it. From, from concepts we have in this world, even in a person himself, we call them one name, even though they have such a distance. So he's going to say, let me explain that, that paragraph is a little hard, to, a little choppy there. But what he's saying is, he's saying, my theory, my idea, we have a physical world and we have a spiritual world. There's one and the same thing, but they're manifesting themselves differently in this world and the next world. There's gold of this world and there's gold mm -hmm. of the next world. Right. But he says, I'll give you an example of something we do every day in our language. If we're sensitive to our language, mm -hmm. we can see how we do the exact same thing. What's mm -hmm. an example? A martial example. We say about somebody who's 
getting elevated spiritually. This person is thriving spiritually, right? Mm-hmm. He's growing spiritually. What do we say about this guy? We say, Adam Allah. He's going up. Yeah. We say, this right. guy, he's, he's on his way up. Mm-hmm. He is ascending spiritual heights. Mm. And with this very terminology, language, we'll say the exact same thing about a mountain climber. Mm-hmm. So I look at a guy climbing a mountain, and I say, he's going up to the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And then I look at my friend, and I say, this guy is really going up spiritually. Mm-hmm. He's, he's high. Mm-hmm. Oh, this man is high. They're mm-hmm. both high. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. They're totally different ideas. Sure. What does someone going up a mountain have to do with someone elevating himself? What do you mean you're elevating? Mm-hmm. You're here, and you're sitting. There's such a huge gap between the theoretical idea of going up, to walking up a ladder. What's one thing to do with the other? Nevertheless, we all understand inside. We know there's a connection. And therefore, we express them using the same type of language. Somebody has elevated himself. He's went up, even though mm-hmm. there's a physical going up and there's a spiritual going up. Mm-hmm. There's literal and there's figurative. This concept that we do in everyday language, using the literal and figurative, he says, gives us a little bit of a feeling of understanding the same thing when it comes to the physical and spiritual world. Mm-hmm. Going up in its conceptual form is where it's most real, and its conceptual form is universal. It means somebody is, well, let's say, how do we, it's a good question. Why is going up the term that's used for someone that's elevating himself? I'll tell you one way I understand it, then you'll tell me your take sure, on it. Sure. I think it's because, first of all, you're fighting gravity, mm-hmm. right? So in yeah. both cases, you're right. overcoming great resistance, yeah. and yeah. you are pushing hard, and you're ending up somewhere that gives you a different perspective, gives you in a, um, a broader perspective of things. Mm-hmm. Someone who's higher can yeah. see further. He sees all around them. So he has in our mind what we think of as a godly perspective. This person overcame great difficulty, mm-hmm. and he reached a place where he sees things in a broader and, um, and, a, and a, in a way which is above average. Yeah. Okay, right. that's, right. Right. that's why we use yeah. this terminology yeah. in other contexts. Right. Right. Is anything else that you would add in terms of going up? Well, I'm thinking about, um, okay, so let's start with the mountain climber. And you say he's fighting gravity. So we could see, for sure, a guy climbing a mountain, there is whatever, you know, physical gravity or, you know, however you call that gravity, the gravity that the planet has trying to pull you down. And you're fighting it because you're climbing the mountain. So there's that kind of gravity. So what's the analog for the gravity in the spiritual oh, sort of climbing, great, great is that idea. the um, is that I, I don't know what it is, but there's so there's a there's a pull that's trying to pull you back down. I don't know, maybe I'm just guessing now. Maybe it's like the Yitzhara that's like wants to pull you back to the animal uh, instincts, and you have to sort of you know work that's against right. that or or channel that in the right way i don't know or maybe that maybe that gravity is something something else i'm not sure but any in any event there's um a force maybe um internal to you maybe external to you i don't know that's trying to pull you in the other direction right right it could be i don't know what it is but you okay. know it could be the things of this world who knows what it okay. but there's a there's also a thing trying to pull you down and this guy He's climbing against it. He's overcome wow. it, right? That's is great. that is that what happens? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I really like that. I love that actually. That's a great concept. Mm-hmm. So we're saying the idea of spiritual gravity, right? Right. Spiritual gravity. That's a really cool idea, and I like that because the way Rabbi Bach says, um, he says exactly this idea. He says, look at the world and uh, study the physical world and begin to understand some of the spiritual concepts. Right. So is it a coincidence that God? That God created the world in such a way where we're constantly being pulled down. Right. It didn't have to be that way. We could have, have, could have made a world like the moon, or sure. like the moon is some gravity. Yeah. But we could have been floating around outer space. Yeah. But mm. why did God create a world where a human being, at all times, without exception, yeah. unless he happens to be in a place yeah. hopping around somewhere, right. but with very few exceptions, yeah. is always being pulled down to the ground. Right. Always right. has to struggle. And maybe that's, if you want to take it further, Mm-hmm. My understanding is that the greater mass something has, the greater gravity it has. Yeah. 
right? A bigger right. planet will pull harder yeah. than a smaller planet. Right, right. And not just that, but everything in the world is is exerting some type of pull on, pull sure. on everything else. Sure. If you exist, you're pulling. Right, right. So these are all really, uh, you know, really nice, I think, almost poetic ideas to think about sure. in terms of the spiritual side of that. Mm -hmm. So then theoretically there could be well, there, there for sure is, at least in the physical world, there could be a planet yeah. that you could stand on where the gravity is so strong okay. that you're pressed flat to the ground and wow. there's nothing you can do. Yeah. But God did not um, put us on such a planet, nor did God put us in such a world uh, spiritually okay. where we're, so to speak, pressed flat to the ground and there's nothing we can do. Right. You know, he made it so that the gravity is just right that we can get up off the ground and we can stand up. Right. And, you can and then climb. we can climb a ladder or a right. mountain or something right. like that. But in in another, if, uh -huh. if you know, I mean, hypothetically speaking, if God were really cruel, mm -hmm. God could make the spiritual gravity so strong that we're pressed to the ground and there's nothing we can do. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then we did talk a little bit in the parsha with Paro mm -hmm. that God sometimes can do take away someone's free will. And sure. sure. In some sense, a person is like that. Right. Uh, and this also ties into something we once discussed about the Tower of, of Babel, yeah. of Babel mm -hmm. where they wanted to go up yeah. and climb, almost defeat gravity, really. That yeah. was their goal. Exactly. They don't want to be pulled, you know, limited to the ground. They mm -hmm. want to own the sky as well. Why right. are we? And there's what to th a lot to think about in this topic because the word Adam yeah. comes from Earth, right? right? right. Earthly people. Sure. And we're constantly being pulled. I mean, everything on Earth, I guess, is also being pulled to the Earth. But yeah. Earth has this hold on us, and eventually Earth wins by yeah, right. at some point, <laughs> right? But it won't yeah. always win because right. at some point we'll... we'll but we can elevate down. the spirit. We'll elevate the spirit, and then there's also Tchiesa Mason, which means yeah. that on the ultimate dimension, we won't be earthly right. anymore. We'll actually overcome that too. Yeah. Okay, let's mm -hmm. go a little bit further. Mm -hmm. So do we find in our language many of these types of ideas. According to understanding in our thought, in our philosophy, there's no connection between the literal and the figurative. Mm. And yet we use the same terms, Another example, Tom, taste. Right. We say, oh, this thing has a good flavor. It's great mm -hmm. flavor. Mm the Torah and the Talmud uses when we, I don't say, what's the reason for something? We say, what's the flavor of it? Yeah. What's the taste? Yeah. My Taima, what's the flavor? What's the reason? And I'm not sure if that's in English, if you have an equivalent type of term. When I want mm. to say reasoning and the flavor of food, yeah. I don't think that we use this literal and figurative in English, which is interesting to me. It's yeah. not so universal, right? Um, you know, but uh, interesting. What's the spice? What's the flavor sure. of it? Okay, and for sure, we talk about the Torah should be sweet in your mouth. Okay, right. Kind of, right, right, right. Yeah. So that's true. So, Definitely right. talk about that. Then. Mm -hmm. Even though moving on to Sashaychusam, even over here we understand a little bit what the connection is. The the reason is because through understanding the reason for something, mm. when you understand the reason, you start to understand something's essence. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing. Like that's the flavor of it. Right. But according to the real truth, the truth is it's one thing. In its deepest essence, in its deepest reality, we know there's a connection. And therefore we use the same terminology. Mm -hmm. So Rabbi Bloch is saying, look around you in the world, look how human beings take terminology for the physical and apply it to the figurative. Right. Stretch that a little and you begin to understand that we're not just, and his point here, his main point, we're not, we don't do this practice of using figurative language mm -hmm. because it's a convenient way of communicating right. something. We do it because we actually feel a real connection. There is something in the conceptual that is the same between mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. It's not just this is convenient. How do I get you to understand the concept of growth of someone getting higher spiritually? So I say he went up a mountain, he's climbing. Mm -hmm. There's something real that's actually, we feel it's the same. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the spiritual and deeper things. There are things that are totally, totally different, incredibly different between 
them, like someone climbing a mountain and someone mm-hmm. going up spiritually, or tasting mm-hmm. a, a soup and someone understand explaining to you uh, physics. Mm-hmm. Because that's because he says we can't get the connection because we have very little understanding and exposure to deeper world. Sure. But so so this is also a warning. I think he's saying mm-hmm. when you talk about spiritual concepts, understand that they're radically different. The gold of this world and the gold of the next world is even further than the distance between someone climbing a mountain and someone elevating himself spiritually. Yeah. But their essence right. is exactly the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the same way mm-hmm. we have it. When we get to the next world, said, then we'll understand it very well that it's one. Throughout all the dimensions of reality. And we'll also get it the other way. This thing that we understand, which is so subtle and spiritual and beautiful and elevated, mm-hmm. remember, that's the exact same thing that was down here. Mm-hmm. According to the way it manifests itself over here. Yeah. So now he's explained that this continuum and this, you know, this, these different manifestations of spiritual and physical are one and the same. Sure. Conceptually and radically different in the way they express themselves in the different worlds, mm-hmm. but conceptually they're exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The truth is, even with the actions that we do, there are many things we do even without realizing subconsciously that come from this inner intuitive understanding of a connection between physical and spiritual. Even though on the outer level we don't see the connection. I'll give you an example from the Talmud. He says. Mm-hmm. Okay, check out this example. We find Machlekes, Rabbi Lezer, and the Chachamim regarding a certain type of oven. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they had this argument about the oven, right. about the halachic status of the oven. Mm-hmm. What happens in the story? Mm-hmm. Um, Rabbi Lezer, Rabbi Lezer says, Rabbi If I'm right, Allah is like me, let the heavens prove it. Yeah. A voice came out and it said, What are you doing with Rabbi Lezer? Yeah. What are you messing with Rabbi Lezer? Are you kidding me? Allah yeah. is like Rabbi Lezer in all places. Yeah. Got up and he said, Right. says the Torah is not in heaven. Right. Sorry, this exactly. is not your business. Right. You have right. to, you yeah. know, you gave it into the gave hands of human beings. Right, right. You gave it right. in the hands of human beings. You don't, you don't get to decide anymore who mm-hmm. the who the halacha, who right. the religious law goes right. like. A remarkable story. It's amazing because yeah. it's it's such an amazing story, and I want to pause on that to, sure. so that we don't lose it. I mean, yeah. what's they're telling us here is that a voice came from right. heaven, and the voice from heaven Comes said up. it's like this. Right. And the and the rabbis said, Gets up. "Hey, listen, voice from heaven, right. you gave us the Torah. It's right. in our hands now. Right. You 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 told us it's not in heaven. I mean, so it's it's for humans now to. I mean, first of all, to be Torah literate, they have to be first of all. Sure. But now it's for us to 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 figure it out, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's an amazing, amazing lesson. Yeah, right. definitely worth pausing mm-hmm. on that one. You know, he says we see Shabbosvil his gabrus." Now, now, <laughs> this is great. This is such classic Rabbi Bloch. Rabbi Bloch, um, I, you know, maybe because I'm just a huge fan, but he mm. could have put in, you know, mm. Young and Freud and all of them in sure. his left pocket. Sure. This is more the way I feel it. Because mm-hmm. look at the genius that yeah. he's going to get out of this story. Yeah. Anyone else would look at this story and say to me, like you and I would look at it and say, this is an amazing example of of how Torah is now, you know, the, the beauty of Torah that's given to a human being and we get to decide it and Rabbi Shua, you know, but look at the little tiny nuance that he picks mm. up. The Talmud says, what did Rabbi Shua do? He got up on his feet and yeah. he said to the heavens, he said, no, 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 you don't get to decide. Yeah. And Rabbi Bloch jumps on that little detail. Why did he get up on his feet? Why did he stand up? Right, right. Why did he stand up? They don't, the, the text doesn't have to tell us about he got up. Right, doesn't have to tell Why us. Does it just say, it says, Rabbi Shua says back, but yeah. no, Rabbi Shua got yeah. up on his feet and he said, no, no, you can't mess, you can't, you can't tell us what to do. Okay. Us, you can't tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. So, we see, because Rabbi Shua was in a moment of such passion, spiritual passion, by saying it's not in the heavens, his body manifested that passion. Mm. He had to get up. He had to get up mm. on his feet and say, no, yeah. I'm standing strong. Yeah. Even though you'll say, what's the connection between standing on your feet 
and arguing passionately about something. Why do I have to mm-hmm. stand up on my feet to argue passionately? My body language, yeah. the sensitivity to what yeah. body language means. What is the difference? What's the connection between being strong mentally and being strong on your feet? Nevertheless, we see it's so innate. We know that when you want to make an argument, mm. we stand up physically in our feet. We're manifesting that we are ready to be strong physically. Mm-hmm. And that and that's part of this experience of standing strong mentally or ethically or emotionally. Mm-hmm. And today there's so much essence on body language. I'm teaching children sure. body language, how to yeah. you know, how to deal with things like bullying and things right. like and what, what that means, even in business, body language mm-hmm. or negotiations. Mm-hmm. For sure. Because it's not just, again, what he's saying, it's not just because body language is metaphorical. Yeah. It's essentially the same thing. Standing strong is standing strong. Yeah. You have to actually yeah. stand strong to stand strong. Mm-hmm. And if you're physically not that way, you're, you're, uh, yeah, you're disqualifying some of your strength. Mm-hmm. It just can't be. You're fooling yourself. You're not as strong if you can. With Kifa Sadat, so it's all the same. Beautiful example that he picked up from this story. It's such a great nuance to pick that up. From this, we could feel a little bit, we could begin to feel how this whole system works, mm. how the spiritual flows into the physical, and how they're all manifestations of one inner conceptual reality, mm. which is where the truth really lies. Mm-hmm. I um, can't help thinking, yeah, by the sure. way, too. So he stands up, right? Yeah. And we were just also, we were talking about elevation. So... And I, it occurred to me, I don't know, it, it will be interesting to see sure. if Bloch says this or what reaction you have to this. Um, but when you stand up, of course, you've changed your elevation, you've gone ah, up. You went higher. You went higher. You actually went higher. Right? Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, it just uh, just something to, to put there. But since he was just uh, was talking about somebody goes higher and then he brings this story and he says the, right. guy, the guy got up. Uh-huh. You know, of course, I suppose if you're going to... Um, uh, if you're gonna argue with, uh, if you're gonna argue with Hashem, you sure. should be. <laughs> I mean, right, I right, can't yeah. argue with Hashem, but <laughs> yeah, no, there's definitely something. This to guy's that. on a high level, right? right? No, for sure. Yeah. You have to stand up. You have to stand up straight, <clears throat> yeah. and be able to do that. So, yeah. there's definitely symbolism there, and more than symbolism. Yeah. He's saying, uh, again, the Tower of Babel. They wanted to get higher than God, right? The, yeah. A power hierarchy. There's mm-hmm. always this concept. Yeah. Throughout so many different you know contexts, where the higher is is associated with more power sure. and more strength mm. in many different ways. Mm. Uh, yes, yeah, so that's definitely part of it. And in general, the idea of of um, being in touch and living reality in its deeper concepts in a conceptual way, I think, is so powerful mm. in so many different aspects. Because I'm teaching now uh, a course and starting to mentor people. Mm-hmm. Even in business, yeah. social media, and how mm-hmm. to present their business in right. social media. Mm-hmm. And what I've been discovering as I chew on this and chew on this and try to get you know to the bottom of it, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great something you know I enjoy doing, that you have to live deep to sell deep. Yeah. yeah. In other words, mm-hmm. if you sell yourself, um, for example, there was a photographer uh, that I was helping out, mentoring him out, and he does headshots. He's fantastic mm-hmm. at, at mm-hmm. headshots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's very limited. That's yeah. very limited. So yeah. what I'm trying to do, lahavdo for separating, mm-hmm. is what Rabbi Bloch is trying to do: get to the inner essence of what the real power is, what the mm. real concept is. And mm. what I realized about this person, his inner essence is that he can fill a room with positive energy just sure. by walking in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the positive energy that he exudes. Yeah creates these amazing opportunities right. for branding shots. Yeah, because yeah. everyone's in their signature positive moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he walks in like a light bulb, and he's just exuding energy, he's great personality, yeah. and everyone is smiling, and he's capturing the shots. So his power was not to take headshots. His power was to uh, fill a room with positive right, energy and right. allow people to find that groove, to find those moments when they can be themselves you know, calm and happy, and uh, at the who uh, you know find who they really are. Yeah. So once we discovered his inner essence, mm-hmm. then we had to figure out how to tell that story mm-hmm. online, mm-hmm. and how to match that with all types of opportunities. Now he's attracting tons of opportunities yeah. that he yeah. never would have thought about because he took a limited idea, mm-hmm. he found the inner essence of it, and I think that could be done with every business, sure. of course, every human being. 
But more and more, it's like what Rabbi Nachman says, that's the challenge in life with ourselves. We have to find that inner part of ourselves because we mm. can build, mm. we can't fulfill our destiny until mm -hmm. we find that. And I think people, you know, it's universal maybe. People who are struggling with feeling unfulfilled, it's because they're not in touch. Yeah. They haven't found yet. Everyone has it. Everyone has it. And, and it's almost like an art because it comes from so many different angles. It could be yeah. your energy. It could be your circumstance. Mm -hmm. But finding that, Finding how that all matches and finding where it is mm -hmm. uh, is incredibly powerful, incredibly right. powerful and freeing uh, in all aspects of a person's life, mm -hmm. including in business. And mm -hmm. when you see someone who's in touch with that, you know that this guy, he understands his strength. He understands his inner strength and his inner qualities. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a person who's, you know, can be successful at life. So right. what Rabbi Bach is talking about, spiritual, physical, my point is this is not just, you know, philosophy. Yeah. It's a critical part of being successful in every aspect For of sure. life, including business. For sure. That's the yeah. way I see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Shall we do a little more here? Sure. Okay, great. So, so Rabbi Bach continues, and now he's going to go in the opposite direction. We've been talking mm -hmm. about how everything in the physical world can mm -hmm. be used to understand the spiritual world. Mm -hmm. Right. Gravity. What's yeah. spiritual gravity? What's... Mm -hmm. All the different concepts in this world. Physical mm -hmm. relationships. All different things. But it also works the opposite direction. After thinking this through, we can come up with another layer. It's not just the things which we find here that are, can be found in higher realms. Mm -hmm. That's where their inner essence is. Everything that can be found in the spiritual worlds is also found here. Right. There is nothing in the spiritual worlds that cannot be found in this world. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we don't know so much. I mean, we, I'm saying me and you, maybe mm -hmm. other people out there who do know more. Mm -hmm. But I don't know so much. Mm -hmm. But I know there are spiritual concepts like angels. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I have no idea what an angel is. I don't know. Yeah. I have no clue really what an angel means. Mm -hmm. I know very little about it, just from what I've seen in the Torah. But... Whatever it is, mm -hmm. there's a physical concept of an angel too. Has to be. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. what Rabbi is saying. There's mm -hmm. nothing spiritual that we don't have in the physical. There's nothing that exists oh. only in one Dimension. space and not the other. Right. 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 And the and the the the, the hard part for this for mm -hmm. me, or the part which I'm going to say I don't understand yet, and I'm sure at some point he'll address it better. Mm -hmm. There, there apparently is one essence. Mm -hmm which we don't ascribe physical dimension to, and that's God, right. the ultimate essence. Mm -hmm. So Rabbi Bachus, what is he saying? He's saying everything in the world, everything spiritual has a physical, not counterpart, but a physical manifestation. Manifestation. Except for God? Right. Is that it? Except for the one thing that's real? Everything yeah. except for everything. Yeah, exactly. Is that the way it is? I, I suppose so, yeah. Everything I mean, except for everything, because only there is really only God. So. And, yeah, and God's the only thing that really, I mean, Has you a, know, compared to the existence right. of God, nothing else really exists okay. like that. Right, I mean, that... But we say God doesn't have, we don't yeah. worship the physical. But, no, for but sure. But on the other hand, we sure. also say that God fills the whole world. Of so course. what does that mean? Yeah. So I think that's where, if you really want to get into understanding Rabbi Bloch's idea yeah. of the relationship between physical and spiritual, you have to confront this question. Mm -hmm. Which is, I think, the hardest question to understand yeah. what that means when it comes to God mm -hmm. Himself. Because mm -hmm. God, we don't mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. You know, like my kid asks me, I say, Where is Hashem? Hashem is everywhere. Yeah. So he says, he points us, Is Hashem in my toenail? Because <laughs> <laughs> kids are real. No, they don't get all pretty in philosophy. No, right. He's sitting there in bed, he looks at his toenails, he says, I want to know, Is Hashem in my toenail? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. four years old, he's asking me a decent question. So that's all yeah. I said, not in the same way that you, you know, yeah. look, see your toenail. That was the best answer I could say. I said, right. Hashem is everywhere, but not in the same way that you. you but, there's no, but there's no toenail without Hashem. The, okay. <laughs> right. not, but Hashem is in the toenail? Yeah, no, but, yeah, Hashem doesn't. Right. It's not confined to space and time. <laughs> right, so, exactly. So yeah. In that sense, right. in that sense, right. not. Exactly. But what does it mean even yeah. that everything has a manifestation. So what's God's mm -hmm. manifestation in the physical world? Yeah. i give you a crazy answer. This is a now, now I'm going to really get hung. <laughs> so whatever chance right. I had. Well, you know. Huh? Yeah. Whatever chance I had, let's go, let's go yeah. down. That's right. Okay. Everyone, everyone must get stoned, right? Sure, 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 sure. Right. sure. Mm -hmm. So my, my suspicion, mm -hmm. my suspicion is that God's manifestation in the physical world is the Torah. Yeah. 
and the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Because there is this concept of Yisrael, Varaisa, Vakashavichu, Echadu, that God, mm-hmm. the Torah, and Israel are one. Mm-hmm. So the closest, the conceptual concept of God can be found in the Torah yeah. and in the Jewish people. That's yeah. where I think the answer lies. Mm-hmm. I don't understand, of course, what that means exactly mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. any useful sense, you right. know, yet. Of course, I understand some parts of it. I mean, obviously, that means yeah. we're very connected and we're very that. But what that really means, um, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've seen it in the Nefesh HaChaim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. it's a concept which, you know, we talk about a lot. Right. But, but it's obviously a very powerful concept. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And obviously the distance, you know, so what does that mean? What does that mean that God and the Torah is one? And, and the Torah is... Is because we're we're treading on grounds, but it's really mm. easy to fall off a cliff and oh, say sure. something really bad. Oh, for sure. So that means that what sure. God, the physical manifestation of God in this world, is the Torah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. Jewish people. Right. Right. So that's that's a tricky concept that has to be mm-hmm. done right. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll we'll keep that in mind, mm-hmm. and for we'll, sure. we'll sure. hopefully our Bach is going to explain sure. it better as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Rabbi Bach says the reason why everything upstairs has to be downstairs too. Mm-hmm even though obviously they're very separate, mm-hmm. because a wise craftsman, he wouldn't do such a thing. Rabbi Bach is like, just the aesthetics of it would yeah. be so wrong if it wasn't this mm-hmm. way. It's got to be elegant. It's like, truth is elegant. Yeah. You know, truth is always yeah. elegant. Mm-hmm. It's got to be one. Which flows through all the worlds, all the dimensions of reality. And it manifests itself in each world in its beauty, in its special way. In a way that's appropriate. It has to be that it's one. Mm. It has to be a singularity. It's like mm-hmm. string theory. You watch mm-hmm. scientists when they're trying to understand physics. And again, right. everything is a great muscle for spiritual. Mm-hmm. There's got to be the unified theory that explains everything. Mm-hmm. The truth has to be simple and, and elegant. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be that God creates all these mirrored dimensions. It's right. not mirrored reality. Right. It's got to be actually one. Even though when we're here, we don't see it. We can't see um, all the things that are upstairs. Still, it's the same down here. Same exact things are downstairs, upstairs. One day when we are in the spiritual world, and that's where our, our reality is going to be one day. Right? So that's also part of our life to realize that. Mm-hmm. We'll know that it's one. All these things which are in this world, those are all the same things in the higher worlds. Mm-hmm. And we'll get the connection. Mm-hmm. Sometime, someday we'll get that connection. Mm-hmm. We will understand the spiritual concept right. of everything in this world, the spiritual concept of herring, mm-hmm. the donut, yeah. and everything, right? right? right. Of shoes. Yeah. Spiritual concept, there's, there's apparently everything in this world really is a manifestation of the spiritual and everything in the spiritual connects to the physical. Right. So, right. so everything, and that's what I was talking about last time, which we're also probably going to get in trouble for. The <laughs> idea of not, the idea that you can't disqualify, you can't disqualify things that are real. Right. Right. You can't minimize them. Mm-hmm. The subtlety of the human experience in every possible way, and, mm-hmm. and even in secular experiences. Uh, we were talking about rap songs, and we were talking mm-hmm. about, you know, but everything. Yeah. All yeah. the subtlety of of any part of the human experience, mm-hmm. every emotion mm-hmm. is real. If it's real, then it's real. And it has a spiritual dimension too. For sure. Uh, and, and it has to be, and if there's something in there, there's something inside of that, that people are relating to, that's mm-hmm. a sign that there's something there worth exploring and understanding. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's a good thing. Right. Like you said. Right, can, for and, sure. sure. And often, if it's a powerful thing, mm-hmm. it can work in both ways. But we have to understand how, um, you know, its essence and what its spiritual side is. Right. Uh, right. And even though I was saying in business, mm-hmm. nothing is really ordinary. Everything has something to it if it's valuable. How do you sell insurance, right? Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. talk to someone about this. And it mm-hmm. uh, seems so plain, so ordinary, so cliche, generic, like, like what's special? But it's not true because every person brings their personality to whatever they're doing, number right. one. Right, right. Okay, something deep about that. Mm-hmm. And... Everything connects on some spiritual level. You're selling a person's security. You're selling mm-hmm. him the ability to feel like a responsible father. Right. You're selling him the ability 
to, to sleep at night, to feel mm-hmm. like a whole person, a person that has things orderly mm-hmm. in his life. Mm-hmm. There are deeper parts of the human experience that mm-hmm. you're hitting if yeah. you're offering anything valuable at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't make a difference what in the world it is, mm-hmm. but there's got to be... I sometimes think of it in, in terms of Maslow's Pyramid. Am I with Maslow's Pyramid? No. Psychologist? No. It's a very useful idea. Mm-hmm. So he has this concept that human beings have needs. Yeah. Right. Oh, right. 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 The needs, yeah. the pyramid yeah. of needs. Right. Yes. Now you, you right. have heard of it. Mm-hmm. You have this pyramid of needs, and then the bottom part is the very basic needs. I don't remember the exact steps of it, but basically, physical safety, yeah. just being warm, sure. not being cold. And then you go a little bit higher, and you have like social needs, being connected mm-hmm. to friends and right. things. And then the highest part is to have this meaning, to mm-hmm. understand what like, yeah. what you're saying, what your yeah. inner essence is, and uh, you know everything in life that we're doing. If we under, that that pyramid to me is almost a parallel for what Bloch is saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost a parallel because our physical needs are all manifestations of a deeper essence for sure. that, that flows along this continuum. Mm-hmm. And if you hit the higher parts of the pyramid, you're hitting more powerful, much more powerful ideas mm-hmm. for good and for bad. Mm-hmm. And that's I don't know if Rabbi Bloch has said that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but things that exist and are connected to the deeper parts yeah. of the pyramid are more powerful, yeah. but not necessarily good. Mm-hmm. Like the Nazis, mm-hmm. Hitler, yeah. if you read, like yeah. you read up a little bit about him, what he did, he connected with, with the Germans on a deeper part of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. He was yeah. able to connect with deep feelings of, feeling of injustice that they right. were taken advantage of, and that yeah. they were, and he was able to use that to build absolute horror yeah. and devastation. Yeah. Right. That was his right. power. Mm-hmm. That he could find this thing, mm-hmm. and I want to just say that there must be, and Rabbi Bach will talk about it a little bit, a flip side. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the good, finding the good right. point in you. Right. There are people who have the ability to find the bad point in for you, for sure, for who sure, can define you in mm-hmm. your worst possible weakness, for sure, can define you. And once you're defined that way, it's very difficult to redefine yourself. It's oh, very yeah. challenging. Yeah very dangerous people yeah. to be around such people. Absolutely. One example, the Torah has is Bilam. Yeah. Bilam has the evil right. eye. Yeah. So what is that all about? Yeah. This evil eye, and Rabbi Bach talks about at some point that there's, uh, the Torah says the great miracle that God mm-hmm. saved us from Bilam. What did he yeah. save us from? Well, who cares what this guy, this yeah. half blind guy who talks to his donkey, gets up on a mountain <laughs> and starts telling us things and waving his yeah. wand, his, his thing back around, you're this, you're that. Who cares about this guy? He knows yeah. magic. You're like, well, God is intimidated from Bilam's magic. And God said, I saved you. Of course, God's not intimidated, but God is saying, yeah. what was the miracle? Who yeah. cares? Wait, what's the miracle? Because yeah. Yeah. Bilam had this ability to define people in the worst possible way. Right. And they would become that. Yeah. All of a sudden, they would shrivel up and be a little nothing. You had someone who had self-confidence, right. had this. Yeah. And he was going to take the Jewish people and make them see themselves this way, mm-hmm. not just figuratively, but on spiritual ways. Mm-hmm. And instead, what did God do? The opposite. Yeah. Every single thing that he wanted to do to define us badly, God said, no, actually, that's a good thing. That's right. a great thing. That's right. the best thing about them. Yeah. That you could have yeah. said, yeah. you're going to look at them and say, and, and the Torah goes through all of it, like each thing that you figure out from the good, what he mm-hmm. actually wanted to do. Mm-hmm. He wanted to tell us, you're horrible, and with this and that, we say, no, we have actually we, we have a great social structure. We're so respectful yeah. of each other's privacy. And um, and that's like this battle between good and evil. Mm. The battle between good and evil, the real battle is how do we, it's defining ourselves, right. right? The evil forces in the world want to define us, want to try to, you know, manipulate us right. into defining us in a mm-hmm. small way, in a limited mm-hmm. way, in an insecure way. Mm-hmm. And then the Torah, or our challenge, is not to give in to that. That's a challenge in the modern world, too, mm-hmm. in today's world. Right. Right. You know, right. There's a lot of forces. You know, I'm working more in marketing, and you can yeah. see it yeah. so yeah. clearly how people who are geniuses, yeah. who really understand, they understand people like pianos. Literally, sure. they understand every single thing about you in a second, from yeah. three seconds of meeting you. Yeah. And, um, and these people are very manipulative, and they can define you, and define, so you are only able to feel success. And, and, I think it's becoming intensified because of social media, oh, actually. Sure. Instagram, sure. all of for a sudden sure. this idea, yeah. these standards that are seeping in to every level of society, you can only you only have the right to feel confident if you are checking off all these boxes. Right. Yeah. And to be honest, I think that it's 
most severely, maybe I don't have a right to say this, but I don't care, I'll say it anyway. I think it's most severely affecting women. I think yeah, women are almost being sure. abused on yeah. a global basis yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. from this from this thing. We're yeah. becoming more and more and more impossible expectations mm -hmm. of uh, what they need to be in order to feel human and in order yeah. to feel normal. Yeah, yeah. And uh, ironically, you know, they seem to, we, we allegedly live in a generation of freedom, you know, for women and liberty like they've never had before. But the manipulation that's right. going on, right. the manipulation that's Absolutely. going on is terrible. Absolutely. Absolutely terrible in the terms of every single part. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's really, I think, what Rabbi Bloch is getting at. There's a spiritual continuum, and yeah. you have to understand the power in that. And you have to be careful not to let people who might not have your best interests in mind right. mess with your that's thing, right. mess right. with your spiritual sure. continuum. For sure. Because because uh, then you're gonna you know that it's really hard. Yeah. And the question is also for children. You know, a teacher when you teach about children, like what are, you know, not to let those values because they're so easy and they yeah. slip in. Not to yeah. let the values. What, what does it take? What does it take to be you know, to be a good to, to see yourself to see yourself for the good? Yeah. So easy. Society keeps telling you you're inadequate. The message of marketing. Yeah. What's the message? I'm doing this right. right, I'm right. This. Yeah. So what yeah. is the message of marketing? <laughs> Yeah. The message of marketing is you're inadequate. You're missing right. something essential. Right. And if you had this thing, everything would be okay. Right. Right. Look at how much be better. Careful with that. Look how much better everybody else's life right. is. You know, right. that's. I mean, I don't spend too much time on okay. social media, sure. but I, I, you know, I have Facebook and whatever, and I have friends that have Instagram. I don't. Right. Uh, I don't yeah. Do good that. for you. But yeah. you know, you you see, if I, you know, when I go on it, you know, I can see how somebody. Look at this guy's on a yacht over here. Right. Look at how great his life is sure. or her life. She, yeah. Yeah, she's so beautiful. You know, right. if you talk about women, right. you know, they see, oh, this woman is so beautiful. Why aren't I more right. like her? And my body needs to be this, needs to be that. Right. Or my life needs to be like this guy's sure. life. Yeah. And then you feel um, it does play, I think, on your fears, your wants, your desires. Sure. And you're being manipulated by it. And you have to be so incredibly strong to right. like uh, resist that. I mean, it's really can uh -huh. ruin. It does ruin people. Right. You know, it I'm does. not saying that they should unplug it, but you know, you have to be conscious of what you're dealing with at the very For sure. least. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and not to be in it head over heels. Right. And the truth is, like you said, you're not, you're not on social media, but if you're yeah. not living in Alaska somewhere in a cabin. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> we'll come up with that example. Right. Right. But I forgot, someone once calculated the amount of messaging that a person gets on an average day, oh, average person. Yeah. If you add in your television, you're driving the street, right? Yeah. You have posters, yeah. you have... And the message constantly on all levels is you are inadequate. You need something. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, you're not right. enough. You're right. not enough and you won't exactly. be enough until you get this. Exactly. And uh, what are the effects of that on society? Because yeah. that's a new... That's a new concept yeah. in, in human yeah. culture. Yeah. It's a new concept. What are the psychological effects, the sociological effects of mm -hmm. a culture where 24-7, every human being in the culture gets a message, you're not enough, you're not enough, click here, click here, because you need this. Yeah. And uh, how does that filter down to how children see themselves? How does that filter down to marriages? How does that filter down to relationships? Yeah. Um, and, and I think there has to be... I think there already is a counterculture coming up. People are already yeah. beginning to sense yeah. that this is something not necessarily which is for the best. Mm -hmm. But what I also find is that there's like two levels. There's this whole official level that we are a civilized society and mm -hmm. we are actually respectful of individuality, mm -hmm. respectful of women's rights, yeah. and we're respectful and we don't judge. You know, we don't judge people by the success of their you know class and their money, and we don't just right. judge people by their bodies. That's the official language. Yeah. And then there's that, that's like the little tip of the iceberg, mm -hmm. you know, the official thing. And then there's like nonstop hammering, you know, which is just laughing at all that and saying, but of course we all do. Yeah. And right. We do big time. Yeah. And you better if you want to get with the program. For sure. And that's the danger. And I see it filtering even in terms of me and the author, you know, us and or saying the Jewish society and the Orthodox society. Uh, if you see the newspapers mm. and the ads, mm. it's starting to filter in, starting yeah. to filter in yeah. once upon a time. Uh, you know, we were more Hamish. You didn't see that stuff. You didn't see it so much. We yeah. were more Hamish. Yeah. And everyone was okay sort of being human and this and that. Yeah. And just the standards and the messages are rising. You can't yeah. have this. I know. And I'm at the forefront of it, you know, yeah. trying as much to make money off it. But the point is that... Well, you know, No, but I think it can correct. be done. I think there's a different yeah. way to do it. Yeah. I think there's a way there's to do it. There's a different it. way to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, which can be empowering for people. For sure. So maybe maybe there's an alternative sure. to this problem. Maybe. You know, it's funny. One happens. thing, and then, yeah. and then back to Rabbi Bloch, when we were just talking about social media and, and advertising, and you had, you had quoted the 
the great Rabbi Bob Dylan, among oh, sure. yeah. one Rabbi, of the, the things yeah, that Rabbi, pops into my Rabbi, mind. And yeah. he said this 50 years ago, but it's like the same thing. There was a song, I think he says something like, uh, advertising signs con you into thinking you're the one that can do what's never been done. Ah. But meantime, life goes on outside all around you. So there's a life out there wow. that you're not participating in. If you're busy worrying about, right. I, I should have his yacht, I should have, you know, yeah, I should look like her, right. you know, right. whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're missing you're life. Missing what's going on you're all around life, you. You're missing life, right? You're missing the real life. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Isn't that wild. That's yeah. wild. Because today, right. you literally see it physically where people are, you go on a subway, and life is going on all around them, you're right. and they're just in a phone. Right. And there yeah. is no, and there and is, you yeah. know, how connected are they to life? It's a very, very challenging time to be a, to be a human. You don't know, you don't know how much time you have to connect with life. Yeah, right? also true. <laughs> to also connect true. with Torah, so right. you better get to... <laughs> yeah, it's going to be yeah. like, what, like on the tombstones, they're just going to be like Facebook, spent 80 hours on Facebook, 14 hours on LinkedIn, right. and 17. Exactly. Like, what's the epitaph, you that's know, right. it's, it's something right. to think about. Mm -hmm. Because, by the way, this idea that everything that's above is below... He says, where did I get this from? This came into our minds, I have to underline that, because that's a huge, empowering concept. He says, I'll tell you how I figured it out. Because of the straightforwardness that we feel in this matter. He says, I intuit this thing. It has to be true. But the truth is, we find this in Chazal as well. We find this in the teachings. If you want to be honest about it. Not to make it crooked through wrong explanations. He says, if you're honest, you're going to admit that just like everything down here is up there, everything up there is also down here. And he says, aside from that, it's something that we see. It's real. Isn't mm. that empowering? It's, it's a little frightening. Mm. So what does that mm. mean? I get to decide. Mm. So, but, but that's Rabbi Bloch. Mm -hmm. So individual. Mm -hmm. and, um, that's part of the reason why I, I really fell in love with this whole approach. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, the man himself. So Metzina by Medrash. We find in the Medrash, the Yikhali Truma, Hashem said to Jewish people, go take uh, Truma, go take some right. you know, present to give for the Mishkan. Yeah. Rabbi Brachia began this topic. L'cha Hashem Agdullah V'agvurim. To you, God, is greatness, strength, because everything is in the heavens and the earth. Okay? Whatever God created above, He created below. I'll give you an example. Above is a concept of Zvul and Arafel. Arafel, so the ruffle is like darkness of some sort, some type of cloud and fog, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. And the zvo, I'm not sure exactly, I think like a glow. The mm matan, -hmm. and on beneath we say, We find that when he built the base of English, right. he says Hashem has decided to dwell in a ruffle, in, in this place of a ruffle. Mm -hmm. Into this, into this place of maybe uh, less clear than the spiritual, uh, you know, heights. Mm -hmm. And I built this house of a baseball. So there's a concept of a baseamigdash down here and a baseamigdash right. above. Right. The Mylon, what do we find in the upper sphere? Fiery angels stand above him, above mm -hmm. him, surround God. Mm -hmm. The Mata, what do we find in the bottom world down here? We find these slats of wood that surround the ark in the Mishkan, in the temple. The Mailan Kruvim, above we have these angels that are childlike, childlike faced right. angels. Right. God dwells among the Kruvim. The mm Matan, -hmm. what does it say down here? And you have these child angels mm. which are above the, the ark. Mm -hmm. So we see clearly. Everything that's in heaven is on earth. Mm -hmm. And it says, To me belongs the silver and gold. So mm -hmm. says God. Ends right. off with a mysterious statement. Mm -hmm. But the rabbi, Rabbi Brachi, over here, Barchaya, mm -hmm. so he says, when we analyze the verses in the Torah, we see that there's parallels and there's angels above, there's angels below. There's mm -hmm. A base of above, there's God surrounded by fire angels, and over here he's surrounded by these upright mm -hmm. slats of wood. There's dwelling among the fog and the splendor, and there's dwelling among the fog and splendor 
I'm not sure I translated those exactly right, but mm-hmm. of the basic English down here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we said, now we could also talk a little bit about what we were saying before. We said everything that's above is below. Right. And I asked you, what about God himself? Yeah. And now, according to this message, I said maybe the Torah, right? Yeah. Torah and the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. But there's also another way where we see a physical, not a physical manifestation of God, but we can mm. somehow access God in the physical world in a stronger way through the basic English. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what is that all mm-hmm. about? Yeah. It's the Middash mm-hmm. is very uh, get into more trouble. Get into, <laughs> yeah. So deep in already. Yeah. No, I'm not gonna use the word weird. That's a really bad word to use, but yeah. it's very strange. It's very odd. Yeah. It's an it's an anomaly if you think about it yeah. in terms of Jewish philosophy yeah. and theology mm-hmm. and our whole war against physical God. Right. All Judaism is about that. God right. is not an idol, not anything. Sure. And you go into Bas Middash and you find this our own with two carved yeah, angels right. facing each other. Right. That's a very, very. I don't know if that's given enough respect for how. Yeah. Man, no, it's that's, a, that's that's a real deep thing there, right? Well, it's unusual because I think on the face value, you know, yeah. Matan Torah, you said, you know, don't make any kind of image. Okay. Sure. Right of anything, uh, and then later on we're told to make this image. So one would think that there's a, a disconnect and. But you know, and I, and obviously there's not. I mean, Chazal and it, you know, right. they, we can. I mean, this is a whole topic study in itself, for sure, right? For sure. Um, so we know that you know. But yeah, it's it's definitely let's say unexpected that you would yes. encounter right. this. You encounter right. imagery. Yeah. And there's there is a Chazal that says that when when the Roman legions when they entered the base of Migdash, right. They opened it up. They yeah. were like, "Oh, you guys are a bunch of fakers." Yeah, look what, look what they're doing over here. There. You right. also had the whole time you've been yeah. doing it. Very um, mysterious. Definitely, definitely something which has to be explored and understood. Yeah. yeah. You know, I would say that, like to me, the two most, the two strangest, you know, idea concepts that I see in Judaism are the Kruvin mm-hmm. and throwing the goat off the cliff. Mm. Of Azazel, right, what right. that mean? Who yeah. are we throwing it to? Is that who's? What is this Azazel? Who's this right. Azazel? Why are we giving him? Right. What? What? You know? What yeah. is that all about? Just right. throwing it off. Sure. Throwing sure. it almost like a, a sacrifice to the other side. Like what yeah. is that? Yeah. Um, to something like that to placate mm-hmm. the Satan. Like what? So those two yeah. things. Those are like mysterious things, you know, man. That mm-hmm. you, gotta, you have to <laughs> yeah. have to vibe a little yeah. on that. Yeah. And get into. Uh, what those were all about, and they mm-hmm. obviously happened only in the part in the moments of the most sanctity and sure. the deepest. No one, you didn't even get to go in there in the curtain behind the curtain. Right. Who got to see that? No one right. got to see that. Yeah. Gola got to see that. Yeah. But inside the ark, what's in there? That's where the Torah is. Right. The luchas are in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely, when he talks about the parallel of the upper worlds and the lower worlds, and he said, "God's mm-hmm. in the upper world is surrounded by angels, and in the lower worlds, mm-hmm. look, he's also surrounded by angels." Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very, very interesting to understand how that's useful and uh, meaningful to us. Right. Where, where to go from there? You know, okay. it's funny. It's yeah, a, sure. um, it's a, again. I think it's a, it's a conversation, a longer conversation. So I'm about to do it uh, some injustice here. But you sure. know, I've been working on this Kruvim uh, piece in my own, uh, you know, sort of things that I'm that I've been writing, and God willing, we'll, we'll finish it and publish it someday. But in any event. Uh, uh, Rabbi uh, Samson Raphael Hirsch has this interesting thing about the Kruvim, okay. and just in brief, you know, he notes that of course they're they're carved uh, or molded or whatever from one piece that is all one piece with the uh, porous of the yeah, of yeah. the Aaron. Right. So it's the cover, and of course, the the cover is guarding the luchos. Okay. And then it and then he talks about how the Kruvim are guarding the cover, but it's really all one sort of thing. Uh-huh. And and where he ultimately comes out is he, you know, he equates the Kruvim, and of course there's two of them, right. you know, they're looking at each other, and he equates the Kruvim ultimately with us, you know, with the Jewish people, and he says, we are, wow. first of all, the, the guardians oh. of the Torah here on earth, but then we're also the guardians for each other, uh-huh. right? And so now, I start and you know of course we see other things where the Kruvim are you know supporting the the throne you know in heaven they're supporting okay. so so now I start to think studying uh, Rabbi Bloch here with you you know perhaps if we were to bring what Hirsch is saying 
and with what Bloch is saying, you know, perhaps when we're really doing the real thing, which is, you know, to be the shomer, shomrim of the, of the Torah, right. um, we're like, we can be like the analog for those kruvim that are upper kruvim. in the upper kruvim. Uh-huh. You know, we uh-huh. can actualize in ourselves to be the kruvim here, as long uh-huh. as we're doing our job of, you know, being the... Right. The, the, the shomrim of the, the shomrim Torah, the shomrim of the Shekhinah, you know, the shomrim of... Uh, and also with each other. Yeah, with also, each other. Also. Well, we have to do it together. Right. right? That's why, because otherwise you would think there might be one Karuv. Right, exactly. <laughs> there's <laughs> no one Karuv. There's right. not one Karuv. Right. There's, there's, you know... And it's a boy and girl Karuv. Right, exactly. And they're facing right. each other. That's where facing each and other. And when they get along, when, when the Jewish people have a relationship with God, they face each other, and when they're not, they're not. Then they're facing away. Right. And, and if they're facing away, maybe they're not doing their job. <laughs> right. right, exactly. They don't do their job so much. Yeah, yeah so a lot, of, a lot of the idea of God, of this unity... This connection between God and the Torah and the Jewish people mm-hmm. is symbolized in the Aaron and the Kruvim, right? In the Bismillah. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so yeah. we said before that we really have to get a little bit more into that idea, yeah. what that means. Right. So this might be a good pathway to study the For topic sure. of the Kruvim right. and all that symbolism and all you know that's going on in there. Yeah. It might be a pathway to get more into understanding that topic. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next time.